Let's start this right with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this evening. We thank you for, God, this time of worship. And God, thank that we can gather together to go into your word. Lord, I just pray that you'll bless this teaching to our hearts and to our minds and bodies. And God, helps us be living examples, Lord, of your Son. Lord, to be just full of your grace and your truth and your love. We thank you and we praise you, Lord. Amen. Well, since it's been a couple of weeks, uh, last time we visited Joseph, let me share with you a bit of what we've seen so far. First, we saw Joseph betrayed by his brothers. We saw that their bitterness had mutated into a murderous intent. But God allowed Joseph to be spared, and God even worked through two of the brothers to help make that happen. God was at work in this circumstance for the protection of Joseph, whether Joseph realized he was being protected or not. And then we remember that God is working, whether you realize it or not, even amidst our pain. So even in the struggle, we know our God is working and we can trust God and have hope in God in these times, in all times, at all times. After that, we saw Joseph, out of faithfulness and loyalty to God, serve Potiphar. Joseph's faithfulness was visible, and it was palpable, and it even caused those around him to see him as a man that sought to honor God. Potiphar's wife even tried to seduce him, but Joseph remained loyal to God, even at the cost of being sent to prison. But Joseph saw God deliver him even in the hardest trials. Through God, Joseph has everything he truly needs to live life in light of God's faithfulness. We're reminded of here that our loyalty must remain in the Lord, just as we saw with Joseph. And then the last time we followed Joseph, he's been in prison for quite some time. Joseph, though in prison, though not a free man, under less than perfect circumstances, still honored God with his gifts. And he waited patiently on the Lord for his deliverance. And then we are reminded that we're not to stop honoring God with our gifts and wait patiently with God, even in the hardest of circumstances and trials. And now we come to an interesting point. Joseph has essentially been forgotten by everyone. His brothers think he's dead. The cupbearer forgot the blessing of Joseph interpreting his dream. And Joseph remains to this moment in prison. Now I wonder what it must have been like for Joseph to experience this kind of rejection and this kind of loneliness and something that he had to carry all these years. We're going to be getting to Genesis 41. I just haven't announced it yet. Thank you. And I am sure there are many of us out there that can empathize with this type of loneliness and this rejection that Joseph is experiencing. It can be one of those experiences that can define an entire lifetime even. Especially 
you know, today we see it with, yes, with, with COVID and COVID outbreaks. We see it with toxic political environment. We see as the rhetoric in our nation today is constantly rather than work with your neighbor and love your neighbor, it's if your neighbor disagrees with you, slap him upside the head and get away. Seems to be the rhetoric of our day. And because of this, we're seeing people increasingly isolated. Not only physically because of quarantine, but even because of the way they, they absorb their media and their social media. They're self-isolating in this way as well. Increasingly making themselves just alone and alone and alone. No longer remembering what it was like to talk to a neighbor, but the only thing they can reflect upon is what is it that media says their opinion is. And therefore, suddenly, they feel like an outcast and completely and utterly alone. People are craving some kind of warmth, some kind of sense of hope, that there's still relationships worth experiencing in this world. But because of how things are today, people feel alone and abandoned, like Joseph here. Now, I would encourage everybody to remember that this is the circumstance of ministry we're in right now. This is the reality of ministry before us today. And if you can help it, I would encourage you to try to reach out to those that are struggling with their loneliness or are feeling like outcasts, to minister to them in the love of the Lord. They're all around us. And I think now more than ever, people need to see God's hand at work. And God's hand at work is through you, the church the body of Christ. So here we are. While Joseph is waiting, there's some things we need to remember about him already, though. Joseph has been patient, faithful, and someone that perseveres. And he perseveres because through God's help and God's ability to overcome so much on his behalf. Because of the Lord, Joseph is able to survive even from one ordeal to the next. And the big takeaways I want you to look for as we go through today's story is God's plan uses your story as an important part of it. God uses your story as a part of his plan. So with that in mind, if you would please turn with me to Genesis 41. And we'll be, working, we'll be working through 41 today. And right now I'm going to be reading Genesis 41, verses uh, 1 through 16. And then I'll be reading verses 25 through 36. In Genesis 41, please remember this is the word of the Lord. After two whole years, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing by the Nile. And behold, there came out of the Nile seven cows, attractive and plump, and they fed in the reed grass. And behold, seven other cows, ugly and thin, came up out of the Nile after them and stood by the other cows on the bank of the Nile. And the ugly, thin cows ate up the seven attractive, plump cows. And Pharaoh awoke. 
And he fell asleep and dreamed a second time. And behold, seven ears of grain, plump and good, were growing on one stalk. And behold, after them sprouted seven ears, thin and blighted by the east wind. And the thin ears swallowed up the seven plump, full ears. And Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. So in the morning his spirit was troubled. And he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there was none who could interpret them for Pharaoh. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, I remember my offenses today. When Pharaoh was angry with his servants and put me and the chief baker in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, we dreamed on the same night, he and I, each having a dream with its own interpretation. A young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. When we told him, he, he interpreted our dreams to us, giving an interpretation to each man according to his dream. And as he interpreted to us, so it came about. I was restored to my office, and the baker was hanged. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they quickly brought him out of the pit. And when he had shaved himself and changed his clothes, he came in before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it. I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Joseph answered Pharaoh. Now here's Joseph again doing this again. It is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. Pharaoh then goes on to explain his dream, and let's move on to verse 25. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, The dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good ears are seven years. The dreams are one. The seven lean and ugly cows that came up after them are seven years, and the seven empty ears blighted by the east wind are also seven years of famine. It is as I told Pharaoh, God has shown to Pharaoh what he is about to do. There will come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt, but after them there will arise seven years of famine, and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt." The famine will consume the land, and the plenty will be unknown in the land by reason of the famine that will follow, for it will be very severe. And the doubling of Pharaoh's dream means that the thing is fixed by God, and God will shortly bring it about. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh proceed to appoint overseers over the land and take one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt during the seven plentiful years and let them gather all the food of these good years that are coming and stored up grain under the authority of Pharaoh for food in the cities and let them keep it. That food shall be a reserve for the land against the seven years of famine that are to occur in the land of Egypt so that the land may not perish through the famine." So Pharaoh indeed has a troubling dream, a dream he does not understand. And he finds himself asking Joseph for help because of how troubled he was by it. Joseph clearly, with great 
Listen, detail and confidence predicts what will happen. After seven years of stability and plenty, a famine will overtake the land then for seven years. Now, Joseph could have just stopped with, his, with that interpretation of, of his dream, but he didn't stop there. See, God allowed Joseph to interpret the dream, but then Joseph used his gifts of administration to explain to Pharaoh a way that he can prepare for the impending famine that will overtake the land, so that way the people can remain safe and have ample supplies. It's interesting. The gifts that we've seen Joseph use throughout this series are used in tandem with Pharaoh, meaning like the administrative ability of Joseph was used for, for Potiphar and the prison, and the ability to interpret dreams are exercised in this moment. And even before Joseph tries to interpret the dream, what does he do again? He gave God the glory and the credit for interpreting the dreams. Joseph is consistently using the gifts God gives him, and at the same time, he is giving God the glory for the results of him using his gifts. So it's because of this that Pharaoh was impressed not only with Joseph's interpretation, but the wisdom that Joseph displayed when he actually put a plan together right there in the spot to deal with the situation. And he was so impressed that Pharaoh would promote him to second in command of the country. Now this promotion represents a couple of things. Now to Joseph, this change in role is, is God delivering him once again. In the same way he delivered him from the pit, in the same way he delivered him uh, and protected him throughout the prison, here we see God delivering him once again. Did Joseph have to wait a while for this to happen? Yes, he had to wait a long while. But Joseph, as we said, he worked faithfully and patiently while he waited. And because Joseph's focus was on honoring God, Joseph's skill of administration most likely was actually improved and even sharpened over the course of those years as God was preparing Joseph for this moment. And each instance of struggle actually helped Joseph to learn and become stronger. So why did Joseph become stronger? Because he remained in the Lord through all of it. He did not, quote-unquote, quit God. And he knew God had a reason for all these things. And so my encouragement to you is don't give up on the Lord in these times. Trust that he has a plan and a reason for it. And then move forward in the Lord. Now to Pharaoh, this wasn't a case where he was only rewarding someone for a good job. Let's not sugarcoat the situation. Pharaoh essentially hired Joseph to do a job, a vitally important one. Joseph had seven years to not only educate himself on the nation that he was essentially now ruling, but he also needed to learn how to properly put all of the policies and processes in place to protect the kingdom he was hired to manage and quickly begin saving and preserving all these resources for a calamity that was on the horizon. The lives of Egypt and even Pharaoh were now the responsibility of Joseph. Were these perks to his new role? 
Were there going to be new perks to this role? Absolutely. But the expectations, the expectations put on Joseph are massive. Joseph went from just administrating a small uh, a home to administrating a prison. And now he is now the administrator of an entire nation. But let's consider God's perspective now. Certainly the perspective of the one that delivered Joseph time and time again is important here. We have a bad habit of forgetting to think about God's perspective when we read Scripture or when we are trying to live it from day to day. We look at the characters and how they interact and we forget to ask, what was God thinking or what did God have to say about that particular situation? As this happened, what was God thinking? I think, yes, God saw this as, yes, he was delivering Joseph, a faithful servant. And I think God saw this as himself also being glorified in Egypt through the testimony of Joseph. Now, certainly I don't know the entire mind of God, and I can confirm his testimony from Scripture, and I believe uh, one other thought he had was this. He also, during this entire situation, God was thinking this. I'm going to keep my promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and protect him. God never forgot his promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he was protecting Joseph as a means to protect them. Joseph was sent through this whole situation as part of God's delivering plan for his people. Now you might think, wait, but I thought this story was about Joseph. And I say when it comes to anything in Scripture, it's only partially about the people. While Joseph gets the majority of the attention in this portion of the text, we need to consider how it rests within the entire history of Israel and God's plan. God made a promise to Abraham that his descendants would be like the grains of the sand on the beach or the stars in the sky, and they would be his chosen people. And through Jacob, we're starting to see the family begin to bud and grow. But they're going to need protection one day. Why? Because God, for some reason or another, needed to have a famine strike Egypt at a particular point in time. From before God ever made his promise to Abraham, he knew this famine would be coming. So God prepared to help them through Joseph. Joseph has now been placed as the number two ruler in Egypt, the greatest nation of his time. And through training, discipline, and faithfulness, God has equipped Joseph, yes, to save many, including his own family, which we're going to see soon. But the point I'm trying to make is this, is that we work as part of God's overarching plan. Whether we think we are or not, God has a plan, and yes, we are a part of it. What I learned from this story of Joseph is we're all part of God's bigger plan. And what do I mean by that? Well, consider a blueprint for a moment. When I used to work in the steel industry, I had to look at blueprints all the time. I was not an engineer, but, I, but part of my job was to think of good questions that I could ask engineers and those we might be hiring to build things to figure out to make sure we were doing the job right. And so I learned a bit about that. And a blueprint is meant to show how something is put together, how it is meant to function. 
And when dealing with something complex like a house or a factory or computer specs, a blueprint is usually made of several different blueprints actually put together. You know, one page might detail the, the, the foundation of the house. Another page might detail the plumbing. Another page details the electrical or perhaps the safety features. No, perhaps there's one for ventilation, and there are blueprints to show how some of these systems even interact and impact one another. And we are but one component of many that God uses to achieve his purposes. To some, they may, on the outward appearance, seem to play a bigger role, while some seem to play a more minor role. But all of them have a role nonetheless which God has given us. I think Joseph learned something like this early on in his life, and it became an important part of how he remembered and how he honored God in all of his struggles. God had a plan and a purpose for Joseph through all of this. And God has a plan and a purpose for our lives. And if God has a plan and a purpose then, then it makes sense that we would then need to live in faithful obedience to God, to not only honor Him, but to also know we are fulfilling His design for us in the same way that we've seen with Joseph. Even if we can't see the entire blueprint or God's entire plan, nonetheless, we trust Him as the master engineer of it all. I've used this this verse uh, quite a bit, but I think it's because of this lesson, it seems to stand out even more important given our struggles with so much going on today. But if we look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says this, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, let's come all the way back to Joseph. This is really a great example of how we see a verse like Ephesians 2.10 put into action. God's plan extends beyond our small window of existence, but through generations crossing nature, science, and the lives of billions. Yet even amongst all that, God initially created you and me, wanting to use us in some way for His plan. So in light of who God is and what we are created for, we should carefully, yes, progress through this life. Patiently, faithfully, trusting that God is working even when we don't see it. You and I are part of God's plan to bring Him glory and praise. And we are part of the plan that is to reach out and to share the gospel as we patiently wait like Joseph. And what is it we're waiting for? Well, we're waiting for the second coming of Christ. And from our one small window, we can see God working in our lives, so we must then remain faithful in serving Him while we trust God with everything else we know He is working on. We work as part of God's plan. And I hope that that is a comfort to you. Your purpose, your struggle, your blessing have an eternal purpose when, given to our faith, when faithfully given to God. Don't let this world make you feel abandoned. Don't let this world make you feel purposeless when your purpose is eternally defined by our good Lord. 
The same Lord that knew what he was doing when you were created and formed. The same God that teaches you, trains you, disciplines you throughout all of this for his glory. The same God that redeemed you through Jesus Christ. We are part of God's plan. We're not meant to sit idly by and just let it play off in front of us like a a movie. But God wants us to be an active part in faithfully serving him. To faithfully fulfill his purpose for our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you and we thank you. God, that in you, yes, you've given us salvation and redemption and a relationship. And we thank you, Lord, that through you, yes, we have purpose and identity. And God, we know that you have a plan. That in your sovereign will, you are executing that plan to perfection. And Lord, you even allow us as being part of the body of Christ to have a part in that. Lord, you are so generous with us, God, in ways that we do not deserve. You allow us to be part of this. So Lord, help us be faithful and obedient. Help us to be persevering and honoring you through all of this, Lord. We thank you and we praise you. Amen. God bless and y'all have a good night.